We don't have to try any harder. We don't need to fight anymore. We don't have to try. Any hey, Jacob. Hi, Scott. Como estas, amigo? Muy bien, gracias. I um. I always have that breathless moment right before I deliver my big line and wonder if I could pull it off. And this time I felt like I got through it. Yeah, it was wonderful. One and we take. always talk about it. You would think 30, is this our 30th episode? Wow. This is number 30. Yeah. Congratulations to us <laughs> and to anyone who's still listening. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> you done it. <laughs> you made it through 30 episodes. Yeah. No, I'm... Uh... <clears throat> I'm feeling grateful. I'm feeling tired right now, um, which is interesting because I have been feeling a lot of energy and focus lately. And the last week, I got a bunch of major things finished up that were, you know, impending or pending and needed to be done. And then there was just this sort of sense of a little bit of a quieter felt like a blanket kind of came down a little bit and I didn't know what to do with that at first, except for it was like, Oh, right. I know what to do with this. It means be quieter for a while. <laughs> so today I kind of worked a little bit over the weekend, but today I picked up Megan from the airport, my daughter, and, um, we, we hung out for a little while and then I crawled in bed. I, I took a nap, which surprised me. I haven't done that or needed to for a long time. So how are you feeling? I'm feeling fine. I want to, to what you were just saying, it's funny how the body supports us when we need to like get shit done and be really active. And then when it's clear, we've gotten the shit done that had to get done. And now there is time for space. It's funny how you can totally crash in those moments, Yeah, you know, or why people sometimes who've been going at it for months and months is when there's a moment of downtime, they get sick. You know, you hear a lot of people who go on vacation and they get sick because it's the first time they've actually allowed their body to stop. Yeah. Um, so it's it's funny that way. Not that you're going to get sick. I don't think that's your journey. Well, I have had that in the past, though. I used to get sick pretty routinely after after an event or something, and I started to pay attention to that better, Scott, and go, oh, I'm, you know, and that was before I had much of a, sort of a regular practice daily to 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 relax to meditate to do some of these things and so I'm really grateful in the last few years it hasn't been like that I haven't gotten sick but I do notice that I'm carrying things I don't I'm curious if you do this with um workshops or you know work you do out there do you tend to carry the emotion of of the event and probably of the people who are even signing up whether you know them or not do you, do you notice yourself sort of picking up that sort of i don't know if weight is the right word but like engagement in that level yeah i mean are you speaking about before or after or during or in all all contexts kind of kind of before this used to surprise me when i would notice later that i and began to understand this was what was happening i would yeah. notice that i was as people were signing up for one of my things and a lot of these were online and so that was you know from all over the world and i would just notice myself start to get like um i don't use the word attachments because that sounds kind of negative but i would just start to feel like i was plugged into the energy of that group and yeah. I, I i had to begin paying attention to that because it was happening yeah that makes total sense i think i'm not always sensitive it's like i'm super sensitive in certain ways but I'm not always sensitive to why I'm feeling the energies I'm feeling. And I think if I were tuning in more consciously, I would recognize that because I do believe the moment someone signs up for anything. I mean, certainly in the, I've heard this said a lot in the psychedelic space with ayahuasca and it's absolutely true. I think the moment you commit to a ceremony, the, the ceremony begins. Mm -hmm. And I, I would say it's the same for workshops yeah. for those who are signing up. The moment you sign up for something, you've started the process of being with the energy of that thing. So it makes total sense as the facilitators of that energy that we are also living in the energy of that. The moment we put, you know, tickets for sale yeah. in the moment, the first person. Yeah. I think that makes total sense. Yeah. I want to go do a, a quick shout out to a friend of mine named Todd who finished his 
book that he's been drafting now for years and years and years. And I can't remember how many years he told me, but I think it's well over 10, maybe, maybe more like 15 or 20. Um, and he sent me a, a copy of it. And um, I have a number of books that need to be read. Um, and I started reading this one and I had a lot of emotion as I was reading. It was just, I wasn't even sure what I was tapping into there, but it was an emotional experience and it's an emotional experience for me knowing the kind of struggle that he went through to, to just finish something, to finish something important to him like that and the transformational process that's been. And then today he sent me a little clip, um, eight or nine minutes worth of the preview to a podcast he's wanting to launch. Um, and it was beautiful. And the title of it, I'm not sure if this is what he'll call his podcast eventually, but the title was who the fuck are you? <laughs> and he said it was based on a question when he years and years ago when blogs were just first coming out and he started to put together a blog and someone asked him, well, who the fuck are you? Like, you know, are you famous? Do you have anything to say? And, and he said that was a crippling question for a long time, but then he has come into a better understanding of who the fuck am I is, is the question. It's, um, it's the question of the ages. Who am I? The self-discovery, you know, and the healing that goes with that. So I just wanted to give a, a shout out to Todd. I, you know, I've met, I've met Todd. I, I think I know the Todd you're talking about. I met him once. He came to my Big Love reading when Big Love launched four years ago. And I right. did a reading in the Bay Area and he was there. And he's a, and we, we became kind of connected through social media through you. But he's a lovely guy, and I'm really happy to hear. And I think I love that you're bringing this up. So shout out and congratulations, Todd. But also, I'm glad you're bringing this up from the context of um, how it can serve people listening, which is that he spent 10 years working on something that he felt called to work on, and it took him 10 years, which is to say that sometimes books can get written in a few months, and sometimes it takes 10 years, and that it it doesn't, it's not about the time that it takes for, it's about whether you still feel aligned with what it is you're doing, you know, like he obviously felt aligned with this project throughout. And I'm sure he went through over 10 years, lots of struggles and ins and outs. Cause that's, that's the nature of creativity period. There's struggle in it for everyone, you know, but um, I love that, that he stuck with it and is an example of, of this is that stuck to itiveness? What's that word stuck with itness? <laughs> stuck to stick to itiveness? Persistence. That, we could we could start throwing something some up. I think there's an uitive. There's an uitive in there. I think stick to itive is something stick I've heard. Intuitive. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, congratulations. And the other oh, there was something else about that that I thought was really powerful that I'm not remembering. Right. Oh yeah, when you said who the fuck are you? It's just put put the emphasis, like how you ended that is like that is the exploration of a lifetime, right? And yeah. and when I when you said it, I was hearing it like, who the fuck are you? Like right. that's how I would say it to myself, not who the fuck are you, which is how he was how I've you know, people have asked me that too, with that intention <laughs> and intonation. <laughs> but if we're asking ourselves, it's like, who are you? Who mm -hmm. the fuck are you? Like that is such powerful exploration. And I wanted to say one other thing, not about that, but about you when you were, um, I don't know what you said that made me think of what I see and hear a lot around the holiday season. We talked about this a little bit is the difficulty of the holiday season for so many. Mm. And so what I'm about to say, I want to, let me qualify it by first saying or preface it. Um, just lots of love to everybody who's going through difficulty now, because I know that this is a hard time for many people. Um, and what it brings up for me is the way in which we sometimes set ourselves up for outcomes simply by how we go into them. I don't know if we've discussed this and if we have cut me off, but I, I've seen so many people write, the holidays are always a hard time for me or my birthday is always a really difficult time for me, or blank is always a really hard time for me. And, you know, my understanding of energy is that so often we set ourselves up 
by how we are going into the thing. If we go in, if I go in with the expectation that something's going to be really difficult, I feel there is a, a better chance of that thing being difficult because my expectation around it is that it's going to be difficult. And this isn't to in any way um, lessen the impact of certain seasons or events, especially if we've lost loved ones, like the first holidays, especially are always so can always be so difficult when you're without people that you're normally there with. But I think that that language is really important. The words we use, the energy that we use and the intentions that we put into to things, they matter. And so what I would encourage people to consider is if you're someone where you you feel the holidays are always a hard time for me, um, maybe consider the possibility that they're not going to be. I mean, we're in the midst of the holidays. So let's say the new year is always a hard time for me. Consider the possibility that it's not going to be. And then ask yourself, what would it take for the new year to be to feel fulfilling? What would it take for it to feel meaningful? And then consider how you can take actions to create those things. Maybe it's more connection would make it more meaningful. Are there any actions you can take in your life right now to create more connections, to like maybe line up a couple conversations on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve, if that's always a a lonely, difficult time for you. It's like, how can we mitigate these things so that we're not going in committed to this idea that it's going to be bad? Instead, we're committed to the possibility that this new year could be very different than New Year's of the past. Or if you've had New Year's of the past that have been okay, what was it about those new years that made them better for you? And how can you take action, intentional action, to create something different for yourself? Mm-hmm. As you were speaking about the importance of words, and this has become not always playful, but I, it's kind of fun to play a bit of a game with this, Scott, where I think Wayne Dyer was one of the first people I heard talk about this so many years ago. I think it was in his book, Pulling Your Own Strings. Um, And he talked about how as a psychologist, um, people would come in, clients would come in and, and they would talk about how I'm just so depressed. I'm so depressed. And he said, I began, I see, he said, I began to have this practice of asking them who is depressed. And they would say, well, I am. And he said, well, who is noticing the depression? And so he would walk them back from that. And somewhere along the line, I I picked up this habit of using different language when I'm trying to catch myself when a couple of different phrases, when I hear them come out of my mouth, I I try to at least notice it um, and ask myself later if it doesn't seem too uh, precious in the moment. Um, But when I hear myself say, I believe that's, that's a little alert flag for me to go, can you know this? Are you just repeating stuff you think is true, but you don't know is true? All right. So yeah. I believe that's one phrase. But the one I want to talk about this time is I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and this can be really, this can actually turn into an internal game mm-hmm. of, of like going into a situation and feeling whatever the feeling is, feeling triggered, feeling angry, feeling less than, feeling afraid, feeling anxious, whatever it is. And if you can play with the way you say that, I do this even in my journal where I can say things as raw as I want to, but I've noticed if I will say, I'm feeling Mm -hmm. angry right now, I'm feeling afraid right now, there's a step back from this full identification with that feeling. And it becomes really interesting to, and the game part of it is begin to notice that you can kind of move that feeling that when I'm saying I'm, I'm so mad right now, well, I have just given myself all the way over to that. I'm fully identified with that, that emotion, that feeling. So stepping back from it just, and playing, playing with language, a couple of um, ideas during the holidays to play with language, just internally. You don't have to tell anybody else you're doing this. Notice when you're getting ready to say, I'm so, or I'm whatever, and try inserting the word feeling. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling whatever it is. Um, 
what was the other one? I had another one that's, that's really a lot of fun, but these things I've noticed begin to delight some, you know, psychology geek part of my brain to begin saying, Oh, look at, look at this. I can actually, I can actually choose how much of myself I want to give to that experience, that feeling in that moment. Yeah. It's a powerful shift. What you're saying, because we are not our feelings. Yeah. We are not them. So making that distinction. And even when you were, it's like even, and you can even deconstruct it more if you choose to, if you're saying to yourself, I'm feeling depressed. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I've said that to myself when it hasn't felt accurate. It's like, well, the truth is I'm feeling lonely. Right. And I have titled that depressed Mm. because how that's feeling depression. If I tell myself I'm feeling depressed, that feels like a much heavier story than I'm feeling lonely. And if I tell myself, if the truth is I'm feeling lonely in this moment, it's like, okay, well, that's actually something I can maybe take some actions to assuage a little if I choose to. One action would be call a good friend if there's someone I feel I can call. Because whenever I'm engaging with people I love, I'm feeling less lonely, right? Where it doesn't feel like it's as big a thing to take on as depression. Mm -hmm. But starting with uh, moving from I am to I feel is hugely important. Yeah, I love that. I do that all the time as well. I love, I love, this is something I do a lot, Todd, Todd, Scott, Um, (laughs) Todd on the brain here. Something I do a lot is, and you and I have done it quite a bit, in our series here is take a big word, love, God, creativity, joy, forgiveness, any of these things and go, okay, that is so big. And the word depression, you know, I'm feeling so depressed right now that as you just said, the questioning of it very gently and even playfully going, is your name really depression? And it's like, well, yeah, there's, there is, that is one of my names, but the other part of that name is lonely. And what would make sometimes for me, I'm very introverted. I can spend a lot of time alone. So sometimes for me, I don't necessarily want to make a social appointment with someone and go out and, you know, do stuff. But what it does help me sometimes just to recognize, oh, I do need some human contact. So relocating to the coffee shop with my earbuds in in the corner, that by itself, and I'm just reflecting or connecting it back to what you said, because often it is such a subtle shift, something very, very small that can actually, it's like, well, which of your names really matters to me right now? Well, loneliness. Okay. Loneliness. I'm feeling lonely. You know what? I can just go look at other humans talking to each other while I work over here in the corner. And that's that by itself can be a shift. Absolutely. As well as acknowledging there's nothing wrong with feeling lonely first and foremost, that's part of the life experience. And it's, I've been, I've been feeling more loneliness since I arrived in Santa Fe in the beginning of November. And, you know, I'm being with it and I, I realize how much uh, the moving around, I was moving around so much Mm. that it was, even though I was alone through most of it, it was, um, there's a distraction in the moving and setting up a camp and breaking down camp. Like there's, there's stuff happening all the time. And now that I'm like in a space that is my space and there's a home here, you know, and it's, it's been interesting to see, I've been getting more, like more bored and feeling loneliness and, um, and watching it and being with it and resisting it. Like, like in, in moments I go to this place of like, be more proactive with finding friends here, right? It's like resisting the loneliness. And in moments I let, I just sit with, with it and recognize it's okay. That's part of, and, and also for someone who spends as much time as I spend alone, that I'm not lonely more often is a gift, truly. Like, you know, but just, just really, I think with all of our feelings, there's a great benefit in acknowledging This is totally human to feel whatever it is I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. So even if I'm going to go in resistance from a place of I don't want to be feeling it, at least allow, be more expansive in the allowance of like, it's totally okay to feel it and normal to feel it. And all humans feel it sometimes, Mm -hmm. right? And if it's something I want to shift, then what can I do to shift it? 
<laughs> what you just said reminded me of um, a couple of movies. One was City of Angels with Nicolas Cage, um, Meg Ryan back in the day. Yeah, and I don't remember. I just remember the bike. The bike, <laughs> the yeah, bike at the end. Well, there were, you know, there were these angelic beings and they would, and Nick Cage wanted to, wanted to have the full human experience. And one of the things that was so interesting is he craved to feel, to feel the sun, the sunrise, the wind at sunrise coming over the ocean, to feel Meg Ryan's lips on his, to, to actually just feel and not just the physical sensation, but the emotions as well. And so when you said earlier, I feel like just that story and some others um, since have reminded me of this very tiny little parenthesis in the vastness of eternity called my life. There's this little blip right here. It's called me, my life. And I, I don't know what happens before or after for sure. Um, really not at all, except there's conjecture and there's stories, but I don't know yeah. for sure for myself. I'll what tell I, you when we're done. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> sure. That's your new workshop. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, I just, I think it's helped me to lean into whatever the experience is to remember. I mean, I'll be 50 in a couple of years and my kids are in their 20s and everyone always has said this, that you blink twice and you know, you're so much further down the road in life than, than you thought was possible in what seems like a very short period of time. And so that reminder for me is to soak up, soak up the feeling. And that doesn't mean that I love all the feelings I have at all, but it reminds me to pay attention and to be like, let them into me. Not, don't just be, I think Anise Nin said, I don't want to just be, um, let me be a bride of amazement. I don't want to end my life as only having been a tourist here, only just passing mm -hmm. through and watching it. Um, the other, the other thing that would be a fun thing to practice along, along with, I feel whatever it is. And just, I feel, uh, we could back it all the way up and just say, I and just become really aware of, of, of the self that is looking through these eyes and having these experiences. So that's a fun game and that can help, um, actually move into different experiences with a different sense of like, Oh, I'm curious about this rather than, okay, here we go again, you know? Yeah. But the one thing I wanted to share too, Scott, and you are so good at this. Um, and some of my close friends are also very good at this. What I hear a lot when people aren't good at it yet, um, because they are unconscious with what's coming out of their mouth is they will, they will describe an experience they're having but they'll use second person language for it. So they'll say, so, you know, when your wife um, comes in and gets mad at you and you do, and, and they, so they're, it's always, it, they're not saying from my experience, they're actually saying, you know, when you're, you know, mm -hmm. or when you feel this um, in men's group, this becomes such an interesting, it becomes interestingly clear just to begin noticing how it happens. And, I've watched myself over the years and then I've watched other men who start to, who start to begin to own their own experience, hmm. start to take it inside and stop projecting onto other people by, by even the language we're using. Like, yeah, you know, when you look outside, you know, it just, that just goes on and on for a lot of people and they're not even aware. It's such a subtle thing. It's like, well, you're just being, you know, perfectionistic about the language. It's like, actually, no, it's a, it's a learning how to take um, ownership and step all the way into my own life and express from the truth of that. And that's a subtle thing, but it can actually create an interesting mental shift. I've noticed that can have a subtle, but powerful difference. And I'll just say along with that, Scott, um, I trust you to speak for the, we, so when you say we, you're making a universal statement, I trust you to do that. And I'm curious to hear what you have to say about us, about we, about our as a collective, but the reason I trust you is you, you speak and have spoken so deeply from the eye. You've, you've, you've been willing to be vulnerable and so honest about yourself and your experience. And I, I watch people who try to speak in generalities or for, or for the collective without first saying, this is me, this is how I experience it. This is my truth. You know, and I feel like that's an important thing. 
Yeah, it's tricky with writing too. I mean, it's tricky with the kind of writing we do, which is often teachery writing. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I, I don't remember whose page it was, but someone he he was, I think it was he, was speaking in the we or the I. And I remember reading a comment below that was attacking him for the choice he made. Mm. And he said, it doesn't matter. He said, I've been attacked when I, if I say things in the I, I'm called selfish and just Mm -hmm. self-centered. Like everything is about me, 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 me. Right. If I say for the we, I'm called like a guru, like I'm professing for all of us. You know what I mean? So I'm, I hear what you're saying and I, I steer more toward I because I think there's, but I do it all. I mean, I, I do it all, baby. <laughs> I'm an IUV kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah, this is more, this is less about getting to the page and writing. This is more like just kind of a playful game to, to start catching the language. This, and by our words, we create with our words, we create. And yeah. so the more I can, the, I've just noticed that the more I say, you know, from my experience or as, yeah. as I've experienced it, it changes the temperature in the room because I'm no longer speaking for everyone or forcing everyone to completely get under yeah. my umbrella, you know? Yeah. I think we've talked about this before and it's totally true. And I, and I feel like ultimately the truth is what, what I honestly feel is that I have my experience to speak from. Mm -hmm. So if I am speaking from my experience, that is what I can hold to with the deepest truth and deepest understanding. Mm -hmm. And what's also true is that we, we're always speaking for more than, from more than just ourselves and from more than just our experience. If we're paying any attention to the world, it's like, I, I feel like you and I and anyone listening to us right now could articulate aspects of what's going on on the planet in the division and talk about it from this collective, we, this is what we're doing with a lot of intelligence and a lot of insight, which doesn't mean it would all be true from any of us, but I think that that any one of us would hit on some of the collective truths that are happening. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. but I hear what you're saying. It does take the the temperature down in a room if you're just making everything I, I, I. It's it's harder from just a teaching perspective, it's harder for people also to say, Well, I'm not like that. You know, I'm not in a and and I feel like I can say, well, I'm speaking from my experience. <laughs> so for all of you teachers out there who don't want to be attacked. Yeah. Well, I've just, I just got done listening for the third time to David White's um, program based on his book, What to Remember When Waking. And I listened to it three times through within about 10 days, Scott, and that was such a wonderful reminder of what it's like to hear someone who is who is a philosopher and a poet and has observed human nature and his own nature deeply. And there was this humility, there was this richness about it. And um, I've experienced that from you at times here. You know, I'm sure many people who have come to your workshops have experienced it as well. I just love, I love the deepening and the um, refinement of here's how to, here's how to relate to other people. And here's how to share observations that are more general, but have it still coming from such a place where it's not pedantic. It's not uh, badgery or, or scoldy, you know? Well, don't, I mean, this is, this is cliche to say, but I, it's incredibly true for me. I, I continuously discover how much I don't know <laughs> continuously. Like I'm re I really, I think there were periods in my life where I felt like I knew a lot more than I feel like I know now, even though I know so much more now than I knew then. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that part of, I think part of growth, part of understanding is really understanding how little you know about most things. Mm-hmm. And in that understanding, there's a lot of freedom. Right. And I think in that understanding, there's even more of an inclination to speak from your personal experience because you understand that 
you only know what you know in the moment and that's not very much. And it's also not necessarily accurate a lot of the time, right? Just curious if you sort of psychically tune into everyone listening right now, you started this program out today with addressing, you know, what can be some challenging times and some ways to move through that, you know, during, during the holidays, especially I'm just curious what else, just if you just allow, allow yourself to imagine this with me, like what else can you hear? What questions, what feelings are coming up that something in you would like to respond to Scott? I mean, a, a big thing I hear is just how, how to be with the division in our world, mm-hmm. how to be with the polarization, how to communicate to people whose ideas or beliefs or actions are so diametrically opposed to what you feel inside is right. That for me is a really, um, I was going to say noisy, maybe because it's noisy inside of myself, you know, um, but I feel like there's a collective disparagement over the polarization, not just in this country, but certainly in this country. And that's what I feel like I can speak to. Um, and to that, the place I come to inside of myself is, is it's wild, Jacob. I, I think what's, what's been wild for me about the past several years. So really kicked into a new gear with Trump as president and then sustain that gear and kicked into a new gear around vaccinations and the vaccine. Like it's just been a really, really intense gear for, for many years. And Mm -hmm. what's been extraordinary for me personally, because I've been pulled away from my compulsion to love and be compassionate and kind many times Mm -hmm. throughout, but it, it, I keep coming back to what, to what is the deepest truth within me, which is just love, just love. It's like every time I get pulled away, I keep coming back. That, that, that continues to be for me, the North star, you know, or what I'm most deeply rooted to, no matter what's happening in the world, when I'm back to my center, the, the communication, the understanding, the mandate is you are here to love period. It does not matter what's happening in the world. It does not matter how insane this world becomes. It does not matter how divided, how polarized, how much you agree or disagree with anyone else. Root yourself in love and let that be the guiding force for whatever other choices you make, whatever other communications you have. And so in a way, it's been extraordinary. It's been very painful in moments. And in the painful moments are when I'm not be- when I'm not aligning with the call to love in that, that wait, that's not entirely true. That is what is most painful, but it's also, there's a lot of pain happening. Even when I'm aligned with love, when you're tuning into the world, there's a lot of pain happening. But if I can stay centered in what I know to be most true for me, then I feel most grounded within all of the, the insanity and anxiety. And it's so cool to know that it's such a simple truth and it keeps coming to that. Like we keep going through all of this craziness and new things that are thrown into the pot of craziness, but my guidance is still the same. And if I can stay true to it, I know that I'm serving myself in our world. That's how I feel. I just had to adjust my headset here. I think I have a preternaturally large head, Scott. Um, <laughs> I think I do, actually. I almost um, just did a spit take. <laughs> saw that. That's a tea. proud moment for me. If I can get Scott to spit his tea. Uh, no, I, like I can't wear most hats. I, I don't think I walk around like Mr. Potato Head. I don't think that that's how I'm, I don't see myself that way. But when I go to put a hat on, it's like, yeah. So anyway, I just noticed my headset was pressing into my scalp. And I'm like... I've got it extended as far as I can here on the thing. So anyway, I just thought you should know that, that I have a preternaturally large head. (laughs) What's your, what is your background, your ethnic background? Um, Irish, Norwegian, German. So blockheads. I mean, really. Okay. 
Yeah. Squarey heads, black just, heads. Just square heads. <laughs> <laughs> my oh ex my Gordon, he's gonna laugh because he listens to our podcast. So I can't we can't talk about big heads without me talking about his big head. Oh <laughs> he's got a big squarey head that he his yeah. So anyway, I love you, Gorn. I love you and your big squarey head. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. You know, um, <clears throat> I was, I had this experience. It's okay. So we just came through a big full moon on, on Saturday and I had a wonderful gathering with my uh, membership from the Institute for creative living. We had a, a gathering, I think 25 or 30 of us gathered and we had this really cool singer songwriter that, uh, Flora Boley introduced me to, and he came and, and you, you'd love this cat, Scott. He, um, he played a clarinet and did this really cool, like guided meditation using that and guitar. What's his name? Uh, Robin Jackson. Cool. I'm sure yeah. we can find him, right? Oh Anyone yeah. Robinjackson.net. But he, okay. he showed up. So that was awesome. And people, that was right during the full moon thing. And that was exciting. And, and tomorrow we have the, uh, we're, we're right in the hours before the solstice. And, um, you, you like to say everything is energy. And I will just say that, if people are experiencing a lot of intense energy right now, it's, it's not just in your head. Like it's, it's, you know, it's in the electromagnetic field of the earth right now. Um, and the bodies around us, but I've been noticing, I've been noticing on social media the last, the last couple of three days. Um, wow. I posted this goofball meme on my blessed or the weird page, something about when you have dyslexia and you think you've written a note to, Santa and you turn out, turns out to be Satan. And it it had this, you know, it had this old like German painting of, of Krampus, the, the Christmas, Uh whatever demon, it turned into a complete rolling dumpster fire shit show. Like people were, it's not Satan, it's Krampus. And then there was fights over that. Then there was more fights. And one woman accused me of having a wicked agenda. Um, Whoa. Pushing my godless, which of course I, then I take the bait of course, because I'm not a good person. And so <laughs> I proved to her that she jumped on my other page and said, I'm going to expose you. And I'm like, I, I really, I, I think that'd be great. I said, it's kind of hard to shame someone who tells people everything he does anyway. Yeah. But anyway, it was just funny when you mentioned like just feeling, <laughs> this is a little bit more humorous <laughs> version of it, but just feeling the polarization and the intensity right now. I, I think that the fact is, even those of us who have been working for a while at aligning our lives with, with our own truth, with our own uh, values and with love, um, get out there and, you know, then look up like half guiltily out of a trance, like 10 minutes later, it's like, Oh shit. Yeah. I probably shouldn't be involved in that argument. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's insanity. But I, you know, I, I think if there's something to take from what I'm saying, maybe allow it to be, well, I'm going to force you to take what I want you to take from what I'm saying. No, but like, it, it's worth considering always, like, what is your true North star? Mm-hmm. Like where, where's the space that when you're alive in that energy, when you're alive in that space, you feel most peaceful, right? Because it's, for me, this stuff isn't like head in the clouds type talk. This is practical. Like, how can we serve ourselves by bringing ourselves into the space that feels most peaceful, most aligned, most connected? And we're more likely to do so when we're intentional about doing so. I think we, we are all on autopilot a lot of the time. And when I know, f- there's a we statement. I know the, that when I'm on autopilot, I am much more likely to be overrun by the outside world. When I'm more intentional about the choices I'm making, the words I'm speaking to myself, um, the thoughts I'm thinking, when I'm more intentional about that, I'm much less likely to be overrun by the outside world. For for as a as a very specific example, when I'm more intentional about the choices I'm making and about being in peace, I'm much less likely to be consuming myself with the news and automatically eliminating the news, the media from my life creates more peace in my life. So that's a very practical thing. When I'm taking care of myself in a healthy way, I'm not looking at the news a lot. I'm not watching any news like that. And that serves me in a really positive way. It helps center me. And, and 
I don't know, period. <laughs> I guess what I want to say, and this is my, I'm finding myself because I'm, I just sent out a new newsletter again today. And I, so much of what I write and talk about, I feel like how it can be received, which I have no control over, is that it is head in the clouds, airy fairy. And for me, it feels very rational and practical. Like I see the power of love all the time in my life and in the world in a real rational, practical way. It isn't, I used to be very head in the clouds mm -hmm. and now it's like survival, man. Like I don't want to be fucking miserable all the time and like o overwhelmed by this dumpster fire of a planet. That's only part of the story, of course. It's also very beautiful and all that. You know, I want to be really proactive and intentional about creating more peace in my life and love and connection. Mm -hmm. And this is how I do it. Yeah. Well, and I do want to say that this podcast is... You just uh, almost did a spit take again just from your... Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I am a sage, Scott, so I have to ponder before I start speaking next, as you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I was getting ready to say something very wise, which is this podcast is 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 part of my wicked agenda, just just so we're clear. Oh, I'm super wicked, so yeah. Yeah, I didn't I don't want to hide that from anyone. First like, of all, I'm a gay man, so I'm a sinner and a pervert and I I and my community cause earthquakes and mudslides and plagues. So, you're welcome. <laughs> God. Not to brag. <laughs> Not to brag. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing I love about you is you're you're uh, excessively humble. Yeah, exactly. Like you're some sort of humility champion, I think. Um yeah, no, I I, I love I love taking loftiness. I you know, look, I love philosophy, I love psychology, I love I love these big ideas. Um spiritual ideals but i love it if we can begin and keep telling the story over and over and over again of how that worked out in in daily life what parts of it were difficult to work out the parts that did work <laughs> the ways i fell down i think that telling those stories begins to make it more real make it more personal um make it more possible you know yeah and to i mean jumping back to the the polarization reality, a practical way to help with this is not say and do things that contribute to deeper polarization, like to be more conscious of how you are participating in the story. How are we participating in this dialogue? Are we feeding the fire, you know, or are we sharing what we feel called to share in a way that doesn't dehumanize others, doesn't condemn others, doesn't add to, to a reality that none of us wants to be a part of. Right. And I think that's for me, that's, it's such a basic, what I just said is so fucking basic. It's like quit participating in a reality that you do not want to be an experience on our planet. Quit participating in it. But the reality of doing that is often much more difficult for all of us, you know, and I, I'm not someone who's always centered in love, but I'll tell you what, I'm rarely contributing with my words and actions to the division as I see it even if I'm thinking it. <laughs> so what an interesting discipline to practice, um, practice imperfectly just to keep practicing. I'm curious if you have a recent story of some kind where you noticed, oh, this is the energy I talk and write about. This is the energy that I don't want to be participating in. Do you, do you, can you think of a moment that you, recently where you caught yourself mid sentence or mid thought or mid getting ready to reply to somebody? Um, I'm just curious because I, I feel like the micro things are where this stuff really happens. Well, for me, it's if you, I mean, the problem is if you have an opinion, I, because I can tell you that I'm not contributing to the division, but other people who, are reading some of my work probably think I am because if you if you offer an opinion on anything mm -hmm. 
you you could be seen as contributing to the division. Do you know what I mean? If you highlight anything. So speaking in any way against the narrative around vaccinations and what's happening in that world can be seen as, as adding to the division instead of just, um, I guess I look, I, I ask myself, why am I doing it? Mm-hmm. That's the question I ask myself. Like, how is this serving in a positive way. And sometimes I feel call to, to write things that are more political than others. And I trust that call. And I, tr- I understand that some people are going to see that as divisive, you know, but I, and I also, if I look at some things that I have written, I didn't honor my intention to be just about love and compassion. You know, mm-hmm. that's true too. I don't always succeed. But well, I, I succeed a lot more because I'm, I think about it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not just spouting out shit without giving thought to it. Yeah. And I, we just, you know, Bell Hooks just left us uh, last week and she is such a powerful black writer, feminist, you know, change agent really. And mm-hmm. um, when you're talking about this it's she comes to mind some other people of course come to mind who have stood up and have said things that needed to be said they spoke they spoke truth into a situation that truth hadn't been spoken into clearly enough by someone who is experiencing it the other side of it and so that's and i love that we're having this conversation scott because i think that um if it's just an opinion opinions are just they're just so it's so cheap like that's the low, that's not the deepest form of intelligence opinion. Most, most of it isn't deeply rooted in our own experience or, or, or research or anything. And so opinions, um, because, because we live in a world where it used to be the, 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 the major opinion makers were the ones who then sort of affected everyone else. And most people had them and they would, you know, talk about them over the dinner table or whatever, but they didn't necessarily have, they couldn't have their voice amplified by multiples um, through social media and and all of these things. And so I think it's really interesting to ask the question, what, what am I, why am I doing this? Why, why is it important? And not from a cynical standpoint of my voice doesn't matter. Maybe maybe that voice does matter. Maybe that voice matters a lot, but going to the heart of it, it's like, am I truly called to this or am I just participating in the world that is a wash in stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline and all the fight or flight hormones? You know, am I just, am I just riding that tide and just out there fighting to be fighting and to have a sense of purpose and to have a sense that I'm, you know, part of something uh, rather than just disconnected from all of it um, and ineffective with all of it. So, yeah. And it's all opinion. That's the thing. It's all opinion. It's like, Oh, I'm going to read you something today. This is going to, it, this was on the, the white house.gov site. Um, and it was a part of a press call from the, um, the group overseeing, uh, shoot, what are they called? Overseeing the COVID response, essentially. So this was a part of a press call um, spoken by one of the people from the, the administration. We are intent on not letting Omicron disrupt work and school for the vaccinated. You've done the right thing and we will get through this. For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. So in my opinion, (laughs) that is horrific communication. It is so not in any way aligned with how I think the conversation should be around vaccination or not vaccination. Um, And this is coming from the administration, right? So I've been going back and forth today about wanting to write something about this. And I haven't had clarity around the, like I do feel called to speak about this, but the call isn't totally clear. You know, like the why isn't totally clear. 
um, how it's serving isn't totally clear other than because my intention wouldn't be to create division, but it would be to call note to language that absolutely creates division and language that's coming from the highest of the high in our country at a time where we we need conversation and words and dialogue that isn't doing what I experience this kind of dialogue to be doing, right? So that's where I'm sitting now. I'm on the I'm on the balance beam. I'm on the fence between how deep is the call to respond. I mean, I'm responding to it now on our podcast, so the people are going to hear it. But um, versus, is it just adding to a chorus that isn't necessarily going to contribute in a positive way? Mm-hmm. But I find it. I find it really. I find it awful, like really, really awful, that language. And whether you believe that to be the truth is one thing, but to frame it to your the, the country of people in that language, which already further demonizes people who are making a different choice about vaccination feels um, wholly irresponsible and at best irresponsible and at worst I was gonna say I was gonna say demonic, but no, that isn't really that's a strong <laughs> how about, word. But... How about turn it down to inflammatory? Just maybe yeah. just inflammatory. <laughs> no, like it's so unnecessary. It's it's just un- I find it unnecessary. I don't think it serves anything. Well, you know this, and I think it's just as well that that our listeners every once in a while hear us go, "Oh yeah, we might not agree on that thing." Like you and I might not agree on the on the details of some of that. Um, but we definitely agree on the idea of how is this being communicated? How is this being, um, how is this being pushed out there? You know? And, um, I think that it's something that I've, and I just love, I just love that you were willing to share a bit of your process on that, because I think it's such an example, Scott, of asking yourself the question, where is this coming from? Yes, I have strong feelings about it. Where is this coming from? Is it my time to to speak up in a more public way about it or not? I think, I think that's a wonderful example of just asking yourself, where is this coming from? You know. Well, and I think I mean you didn't dive into it, but I think it's important what you're saying that there there are many people, maybe most people. I don't know what the percentages are right now of people who would agree with that versus don't. But there are many people who will read that and think it's absolutely appropriate mm-hmm. and wonderful and terrific. Mm-hmm. So that is that's the reality. That's why it's like opinion versus truth is very tricky. Yeah. Right now, you know, because I can I can look at language out there about any number of subjects and tune in and and feel like, does that align with my heart? Does that align with what I feel is loving, compassionate communication? And just because it might not doesn't mean it's true that it isn't. It's my experience of, of the language. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, you and I, each of us spent quite a few years in different systems, but systems that required complete loyalty, um, loyalty of thought, loyalty of behavior, loyalty of actions and words. And I am so itchy. Anytime someone says you have to, if, if you, if you get on this side of one thing or the other, then that means that means you've signed up for all the rest of it. And now we're a club and we're a tribe and you have to, now they have to be our enemies in that certain way. And it's like, yeah, I can't. I don't go along with that at all. Um, and I feel like the narrative, the really high level narratives out there that people are sort of allowing themselves to be magnetically drawn to and then find themselves deeply identified with that narrative, which part of the narrative is, and those people over there are stupid and bad and are enemies. That to me, that part of it to me is probably the most damaging rather than saying we're all in this together. Um, there's a lot of stuff we don't know about the entire spectrum of this situation. Let's see if we can get through it together. But the race to opposite poles and then therefore then saying, I mean, Scott, it was one of the reasons why I've never wanted to be called vegan um, because that is such a magnetic 
thing. So I call myself plant-based at the moment. And that means sometimes every once in a while I do eat some meat and I do sometimes have some dairy or whatever. Um, I've loved the way my body has felt uh, moving more and more away from animal protein in that way. But um, I watch so much evangelical, evangelistic zeal from people who were identified as vegan. And it became, became to where they would come to a page or I'd watch it happen sometimes on my own before I was um, mostly not eating meat. I would post a picture of something I had just cooked and I would, I would get people like foaming at the mouth telling me and all these documentaries and articles and everything about how evil it was and how I was contributing to the environmental downfall and just on and on and on. I'm like, yeah, I want no part of that. And to me, I see anything that turns into fanaticism uh, on, on either side of any of, of anything to me, that that is something I absolutely want to run from. Me too, because because you automatically shut down to growing your understanding of anything. We get in our corners and we shut down any information that is in contradiction to what we've come to believe. And it serves nothing. And that's one of the, for me, one of the most harmful aspects of this polarization is that all the people, all of us who are in different corners, I'm trying to, uh, as a language practice, I'm, I am using us more, even when it's not, when I'm not part of the group I'm saying us about, because we're all in us. Like I'm, I'm, I'm being more conscious about not creating a, a we, them separation, mm. even in, you know, even in the language I'm using. So it's like, so many of us are in our corners mm-hmm. thinking what we're thinking and not in any way open to new information that could expand our understanding and not even new information to prove anything wrong, but new information because there's value in in learning new things and we grow and understand what what's going on from a broader perspective instead of just holding true to what we've we've come to believe the the cognitive dissonance jacob it's so wild and i i feel like i i look at myself and i look at my own cognitive dissonance in different areas of life. And I look at it in the, over the course of the past two years with this pandemic. And I've watched myself, I have watched how much I have had to push myself to open to new information that is in conflict with what I've come to believe Mm -hmm. and how valuable it has been. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and I'm doing it. I'm swinging with that pendulum all the time. If I find myself getting too like locked into an understanding of this is what's really happening, I'm like, well, let's look. Let's look at the other side. And it's been really valuable for me because I don't feel like I feel like I have a much broader perspective on what's happening than I did, than I used to have. And it, and I appreciate having that because I'm much less inclined to think all those people are insane or all those people who believe the opposite are insane. It's, it's like, I'm, we're all, I was going to say doing our best. I don't know that we're all doing our best. I don't even know if I can honestly say I'm doing my best, but we're, you know, we're all doing what we're doing to make sense. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing what we're doing to make sense of a lot of information and a lot of misinformation and to like distill it through the lens of our fearful, often insecure human minds and we come up with what we come up with. Mm-hmm. But if we're committed to our corner, we're much less likely to hold space for the fullness of the story. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that was really well said. Uh, I'm sure that in another one of the episodes I've mentioned this before, but on the temple at Delphi, where the beginnings of Western philosophy and um, you know culture really kind of put their foundations um, three maxims are written. There are more maxims than this, but these three, I remember the first one we're all familiar with, um, know thyself. And that's where we started today's episode. Actually know thyself. Um, who the fuck are you (laughs) from a, from a gentle self-discovery and a curiosity standpoint, know thyself. Who the fuck am I? Wow. In this situation, who am I? Second maxim, uh, everything in moderation. And the third one, certainty is ruin certainty is ruined. So if we take those three maxims as we close out this year, as we think about the new year um, and we go, who am I? Who would I love to be? 
how can I come into relationship with who I am becoming without the forceful, perfectionistic, I've got to do it all perfectly right now. And it all has to happen right now. We talked earlier, you talked earlier beautifully about the patience of creating something, of creating anything that matters to us. And I love to say that we are our own ultimate creative project. I am, you are, everyone listening. Mm -hmm. We are our own. The book isn't, the business isn't, whatever, you know, whatever it's the, it's, it's becoming who we really are. And so to, to hold that in moderation, sometimes we think of, you know, everything in moderation is this disciplined sort of austere life or, you know, not tipping one side or the other. And that's, that's true. But I think even approaching our desires for becoming the things we long for, if we can hold that gently and moderately and say, it's not going to all happen today or next year. Um, and the third one, certainty is ruined. Like if I think that I know, and that's part of the human brain, like we desperately are looking for certainty. We're mm -hmm. peering into the future. We're reading astrology. We're reading the stock reports. We're doing all these things, trying to create certainty for ourselves. If we can just hold who we are becoming, the world we would love to create, our own world, my own world, with that kind of kindness and curiosity that says, who am I? How can I approach this with gentleness and moderation? You know? Yeah. That's a beautiful way to close it out. I love that. Yeah. I don't I, know I that wanna... we'll talk before the new year. We may, but we might not. I hope we do, but I wanted to give a couple of things here, Scott. First of all, um, we talked last episode about your beautiful Imagine It program that's coming up very soon. So we'll make Two sure- Two weeks from today. Yeah, my God. Um, we'll make sure there's a link to that in the show notes and highly Absolutely. recommend that you engage with that. And of course I have the heal plus create event coming up and Scott's going to be one of my keynote presenters for that. I can't wait. That's coming up in February. So there will be a link there as well. And I'm so grateful. Like people are starting to, I just, you know, you put these things out, especially in the middle of a holiday. It's like, what's, you know, what's going to happen. And it's been slow, but steadily. And so that early bird group is going to, is going to fill up pretty quickly. I just feel grateful. Maybe next time we talk, we can talk about this. But this is what I wanted to ask our listeners to do, Scott, is go to heyjacobhighscott.com. And I would love it if you would drop a dream or a desire that you have for yourself, something you'd like to either begin or continue in this next year. I would love if Scott and I can get a number of those to share um, if you're willing to have a share it on the air, I would love to, as many of you as are willing, it could just be a sentence or two, something that you would love to begin, start, or just continue along with, um, something that is dear to you, some dream that you've had, something that you've been working on and maybe have felt discouraged about, but you know, it matters enough to keep going. I would love it if you'd be willing to share those and let us share it with the audience. I feel like this is a really powerful time to you know, I, I'm not into New Year's resolutions, but I am, I'm, I am into tapping into the real, true dreams and desires of our heart. How do you feel about that, Scott? That I love that. Yeah, I'd love to add to that, too. If people yeah, are called to, what do you want to release? What do you want to let go of as mm. you head into the new year? What habits, what thought patterns, what, what unhealthy beliefs, you know? Um, so if you want to share that as well, share that. I love that, Jacob. I have this, and I don't think I've read it here before, but I might have. It's, uh, I know you and I both love Rainer Maria Rilke. Um, this mm -hmm. is a short poem. This is going to make some people on my pages laugh because, uh, because we just, we had this conversation about God just, just today it was going on about God. And I just shared like, you know, first of all, I shared a totally godless meme and then I got <laughs> some flack about that. And then I'm like, well, just if you've hung around me at all, you know that my connection to what I call the big everything or the great unboxable can't be put in a binary. Like there is a God, there isn't a God. So anyway, this starts with the word God. The, the poem is go to the limits of your longing. God speaks to each of us as he makes us then walks with us silently out of the night. These are the words we dimly hear. You, sent out beyond your recall, you, sent out beyond your recall, go to the limits of your longing, embody me, flare up like a flame and make big shadows I can move in. 
Let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror, just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. That's beautiful. I love that poem. I love Rilke so much. Thank you. Thanks for being here, everybody. This has been a, a wonderful year, Scott. Thirty episodes in. Um, yeah, feels it feels wonderful. I, I feel really excited that we were able to show up for each other and for this podcast in this way, and for the listeners. And thank you all for showing up for us. Truly, we love you. Send us a note. We want to share you next episode. Yeah, we love you. If you're celebrating any holidays, wishing you holiday love and peace. It's up to you to choose how good it can get, how much love you can let into your life, into your heart, before your mind decides it's too much. It's up to you to choose. It's up to you to choose.